When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Forward Progress Week 11, Best Bets Edition, right here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network, and powered, as always, by Pinnacle Sportsbook. Joined by the regular cast, Dr. Eric Eager, top right-hand corner. Bottom left, it's Hitman. Bottom right, it's Suma. Suma with the fresh haircut uh, we see there. No hat for Suma. Looking good, man. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hitman went into the barber this week asking for a fade as well to match Suma. And they were like, well, you've been a fade for the last 10 weeks. So you don't need one. Oh, you God. already got it going. You already got it going. <laughs> I had to break that one up. Rob, Rob's been sitting on that since 2 a.m. What, what do we think? <laughs> when Rob goes into the barbershop, what do you think he asks for? Just for a prayer? <laughs> the, mo the most minus ev move for me ever is going to get haircuts and i still do anyways i still do anyways oh man uh for those of you who are new here um five games this week not the prettiest games we're going to discuss but games that we have some sort of opinion on that way we're just not spinning our tires spinning in circles here uh and then at the end of the show you'll get a best bet from each one of us we're going to try to make this as forward looking as possible let's review the best bets from last week first, starting with the best bets. Suma, the only best bet winner from a week ago. It's not been good this year, guys, but Suma gets the win with Pittsburgh at minus three, minus 117. I lose the New Orleans under. Eric, you lose the Washington, Seattle under. Big fourth quarter, man. <laughs> Some of the losses you've had, I can only laugh, man. Uh, but you're back here. But Hitman, you lost Baltimore. I mean, that was like looked comfortable for large portions of the game. And then I don't know what it is, man. You got like the the opposite of the Mike Tomlin effect going on right now. Like just just can't buy one. But hopefully that changes. Um, Josh in the chat says 100% tailing Hitman's best bet this week. This is the week. It cannot go any further. There are some positives, but there's also some negatives. Arthur <laughs> asking if we've ever seen... Hitman and Book It Trent in the same room. Many have been asked. Chance to redeem yourself. I will say, we track the leans as well. Obviously, the best bets, not the greatest. But on the leanser board, as I'm going to call it, Hitman, 2-0 last week, pulls even with me on the year. 20-11, 64.5% on the leans. Dr. Eager, rough week for you on the leans, moving you down there. But Hitman, I must once again ask you, why not just take a lean and make it a best bet? It's a it's a good question. It's a good question. So maybe we'll we'll have to maybe I'll just have a poll next week and let the chat pick the best bet out of, out of the three plays I say <laughs> I like or something like that. We'll we'll get a little bit creative with it. All right. Let's get into the games this week. Enough of the uh, preamble getting in here. I know people want picks. 
and that's what we will do. Suma, I'm not sure if you're reacting to Nathan thinking that you were bald, but no. for a long time I did as well because of the hat. I reacted to the NASCAR driver. Yes, I do look like a NASCAR. I'm going to go with the Suma look here and see if I can bend this upwards. I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, guys, game one, getting into this week. It's the Arizona Cardinals, 2-8, and eight, but coming off a big win. They go to Houston to take on the Texans. Kyler Murray, obviously, back last week off of the ACL tear. 25-23 win over the Falcons. He looked pretty decent, had a rushing touchdown. He also threw a pick in the game. C.J. Stroud is basically runaway offensive rookie of the year right now. Second in the league in passing yards this season, 15 touchdowns, two picks. They beat the Bengals last week on the road 30-27. to You might be able to make an argument that, honestly, the game wasn't even that close as the Bengals mounted a comeback later on. Looking at the current market at Pinnacle Sportsbook right now, it's the Houston Texans minus four, minus 117. That's basically like a minus four and a half type of number. The total in the game is 48. Suma, we'll kick things off with you this week. And you're eyeing a total in this game. What are you looking at here? Yes, I'm looking at the total to go over. I really like this um, passing matchup for both teams. Um, Cedric Stroud, I mean, there's not much I, I can say other than he's been pretty awesome. And especially in areas where I don't see the Cardinals defense, even though they have looked a little bit better in recent weeks, can really contain him, in, in my opinion. Um, on deep throws, 15-plus areas, C.J. Strauer, 13 EPA per play at 0.875. Um, Arizona's defense is number 32nd in EPA per play on those deep balls. C.J. Stroud from a clean pocket, second in EPA per play, fourth in passing grade. Arizona's defense is, uh, I think, 30, 32nd or 31st in quick pressure rate and bottom six in pressure rate. So I don't really see a scenario in which the Cardinals defense comes out and really puts the clamp on this um, Texans offense. I, I think that Stroud will be able to operate from clean from a lot of clean pockets and he might just pick them apart again. And on the other side, I mean, I... Well, I think we basically have to throw most of the metrics out of the window for Arizona because Calamari looks, or at least looked like his former self last week, um, especially the confidence um, on his legs, running, scrambling, some designed ones were in there. They got James Conner back, which, um, which was a massive split for them in terms of on-slash-off-field on uh, stats for James Conner. I think that their run game should be better going forward. And I don't really trust that um, Texans defense a lot. They are still banked up. Um, lost Denzel Perryman to suspension. Don't know whether his appeal will be um, positive today. Um, will Anderson is, is, is a, a little bit banked up. Um, secondary is still some injuries, even though Derek Stingley is back. So I really like the offensive matchup for both teams here. And I think the range of 47.5 slash 48 is a, a decent number to go over. So Suma's looking for points in this game. Nathan in the chat says, uh, seems like a take-the-points kind of game to me. And Hitman, you you tend to agree with that. Yeah, I bet Arizona in this matchup. Um, a lot of it's about, I think, that the Arizona offense could be really underrated. And I, like Suma said, kind of just throw out all the priors that they've had this season. And the big question that we had before last week was Kyler Murray's health. And it was a really encouraging game 
from Kyler Murray as far as just his mobility. He scrambled twice for 20 yards. Overall, he ran six times for 33 yards and a touchdown. He had one run where he ran. It was a 13-yard run, but he ran 68 total yards, and he hit 20-plus miles per hour on the next-gen stats. So I think Kyler Murray, like there's been talk that he's been ready for weeks and they were just holding him back. So I think that he can get back to our priors on him, which was around probably slightly above average uh, league starting quarterback. Uh, this team has weapons surrounding him and James Conner, Marquise Brown, Michael Wilson. I think that Trey McBride could be one of the most underrated players in the entire league at tight end and then you look at the houston defense and how much they've struggled specifically the past few weeks they've allowed opponents to score on 42 percent of their drives over the past four games which is 30th in the league they're the only defense that made bryce young look good this entire season he threw for over seven yards per attempt against them arizona really won the stats in their first game with murray they out yards per played arizona 5.9 to 3.9 and remember about Houston, like they're an offense that's really hot right now. C.J. Stroud's playing unbelievable, but it's still a team that lost to Carolina just three weeks ago. It's a team that two weeks ago was laying two and a half at home to Tampa and what ended up being a coin flip result for, for them. So I think that it's just a little bit high, and I did bet Arizona. So, Eric, Hitman makes some points about uh, what the market has priced Houston at in recent weeks. I think that Tampa Bay game a week ago closed like minus two and a half, minus 120-ish. Some books that went out to three. There's been a, a decent size adjustment on Houston over the past couple games. But you think that this is warranted with the Texans team right now? Yeah, I look, I'm a, I'm a fan of Kyler Murray. I was wrong about Arizona playing him. Um, I didn't think that they would, and I didn't think that they would – um, you know, I, I personally like didn't necessarily know if they would do what it takes to win football games anymore because of the being able to see the number one pick. But it's clear that that's, you know, they're not in tank mode. So you can throw that variable out of there. That being said, you know, when I when I think about, um, you know, when I think about Houston, they are kind of the ingredient to off, you know, to basically what has happened to the NFL, uh, the anecdote to what has happened in the NFL from the perspective of offense, like when you look at Stroud among all the players, so the top six players in terms of total EPA generated, Stroud has the basically the highest average depth of target and the lowest completion percentage. They're, they're sort of moving the ball in a high variance way. And like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to power rate one team better than the other, and I do have, you know, this game with, with Houston being power rated a little bit better than the point spread, and I'm actually going to lay the favorite. I need a, a favorite with, that can actually cre create the variance that's going to win by margin in a game like this. And I actually, I don't think that there are actually that many teams that can reliably do that in the NFL. But Houston, with sort of their their high, you know, their their down the field approach, Noah Brown, Tank Dell, and uh, um, I'm thinking about the the last one, Nico Collins, are all in the top 26 in the NFL in terms of EPA generated on catches. So you have three wide receivers who will all be number one players basically on, on a different team. So I, I just think that, you know, Houston's a, gr a great story. I'm not moving my prior all that much on either Murray or them after last week's game. And, you know, when, when my, you know, when you come out of the model with this being a play, like I, I just think that the, the added narrative of the fact that the, the Texans can really create variance and in the NFL to actually win as a favorite, ATS, you have to create variance. I think that this is actually an undervalued spot. 
So disagreement here amongst our, our creators. And it looks like disagreement in the chat with some people open to Arizona, some people open to, open to Houston, and uh, some people just saying that it's like scratching my head on this one. It's a tough game. I'm going to pass. How.D messages say, saying, Suma, are you worried about uh, D'Amico Ryan's familiarity with Kyler at all from the NFC South? I think uh, playing in a completely new scheme with a new OC is going to be different than playing in that uh, very stale Cliff Kingsbury offense. So I think if if there are reasons to worry about familiarity, I think that will at least negate some. Very clearly should have been the NFC West and not the South, but the, the point still applies there. Uh, typically speaking, we stick to like major markets here on forward progress. I'm going to cheat a little bit. There's something at Pinnacle that I kind of like in this game, and it's it's tied to, to Suma's pick here a little bit, but I like the Texans' first half team total over 13.5, which is at minus 119 right now. I do like what I've seen from them early in games. I, I With what Eric said and like a team that creates variance, there's been a lot of game scripts where the Texans have gotten out to big leads. You think of like the Steelers game, for example, earlier this year, where they kind of had to shut it down later in the second half. So I'm, I don't want to play like their full team total over, but I think early in the game here, I do like Houston's ability to score against Arizona. So we have four very uh, distinct opinions on this first game of the week between Arizona and, and Houston. As a reminder to everyone out there, you're going to see these scrolling odds at the bottom of your screen throughout the program. Those are the odds courtesy of Pinnacle in real time. And I highly recommend betting with Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'm not just wearing the hat and the shirt because they pay me. It's because I've actually been using Pinnacle Sportsbook for a long time. And what you'll often notice you look at one of these numbers, whether it's the side, the total, you're going to say to yourself, well, my sportsbook's not offering those prices. These are actually better. Might as well bet here. And you should, because there are some very good competitive odds at Pinnacle Sportsbook. So bet smart, bet Pinnacle, your trusted sportsbook for the past 25 years. And if you are going to sign up in Canada, use code HAMMER when doing so. It does help support us here at Forward Progress. You must be 19 plus, not available in the US. As always, please play responsibly game number two here guys as we move on could we call it the david montgomery revenge game i don't know if i've heard that yet this week i'm sure i'm sure someone will coin it that uh it's the detroit lions hosting the chicago bears last week the lions one of the more entertaining games of the year very back and forth with the chargers 41 38 final montgomery 12 carries 116 yards 75 yard td coming back from his rib injury, the Bears, they've had a few extra days of rest. They eked by the Carolina Panthers, I would say, on Thursday night, 16-13. to Second win behind rookie quarterback Tyson Bagent. Looks like it's going to be Justin Fields this week. And the market in this game right now, Lions laying 8.5 minus 119. It's kind of like a 9 number there. Total is 47 Hitman, I will start with you here. Does the likely return of Fields make the Bears attractive in this spot? Um, I think it did yesterday when before the market moved, obviously. But it's still, uh, I'm still leaning in Chicago's direction, even at the new line of plus nine right now. Justin Fields really improved before he had that injury, it, and it was a disastrous start to the year for him. But he's coming off arguably the two best games of his career against Denver and Washington. And then speak of improvement, the Bears defense 
It's a defense, uh, especially specifically their run defense. It's allowing a league low 3.1 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Their first in success rate, their second in run defense EPA. And they've also done a really good job this year at shutting down number one wide receivers, surprisingly, despite being a pass funnel to the point where Mike Evans is the only wide receiver this entire season that's went for over 70 yards against them. So obviously I do expect Detroit's offense is going to get theirs. It's a great offense, but I do think there is at least a path to where Monroe St. Brown and this run game could just not absolutely destroy this Bears team. And then you just look overall on success rate for the net success rate on offense and defense. The Bears are above league average. They're one spot behind Detroit. Their running game is top five in EPA per play. And if you just remove the first three games of the year where this team was an absolute disaster, they've kind of played like around the expectations of what the preseason was, which was around like a seven, eight win team. And you even look at the recent uh, a recent loss they had against New Orleans. They lose the turnover battle five to zero with Tyson Pageant as their starting quarterback, and they still cover the game. So I, I just think that it's a the, the Bears are a little bit undervalued due to the horrific start that they had to the year, and I would lean towards uh, Chicago at plus nine. Now, Eric and Suma, I know you guys don't have strong opinions on this game, but I do want to get your thoughts on something uh, that I've heard a lot this week. So the Bears have been much more competitive over the course of like their last six games, the exception being the Chargers game where I believe they lost by 17, 30 to 13. There's a lot of talks about their defense being improved. Some of it has to be quality of competition. And if we look at who they faced recently in a lot of these games, whether it's the Panthers, Saints, Raiders, uh, Commanders on that Thursday night football game, but they're also healthier now. Like, Hitman talking about how this team has played a lot closer to their preseason expectation in the last few weeks. And Eric, I'll start with you here. What do you make of the Bears right now? Because to me, they're a very difficult team to figure out as a whole. Yeah, when I look at them like relative to the rest of the league, I kind of put them and I know, you know, you're not it's not like exactly how you would sort of rate, you know, rate a team because there are obviously styles and everything. But like I put them kind of in a, a cluster with like New England, Tennessee, kind of in that group with Atlanta, whereas, you know, that that's a pretty wide group. And to your point, like those teams have all at times won games they weren't supposed to this year. So there's, they're certainly live in this game. I think the issue that I have, if I'm going to go and, and, you know, take them against the lions is the lions sort of create, they don't create variance with gameplay, but they create, create variance with decision-making and to the point where, like Dan Campbell's going for enough fourth downs on one side, you can basically say, well, there's going to be fewer possessions if they go for fourth downs around midfield and push the thing towards field goal range and everything like that. But against a defense like the chargers, which is no, no better or worse than the bears defense, like that just meant more touchdowns for the lions. And so I, I think that that's going to be the tricky part. Like the defense, I know sweat has done a better job of setting the edge. He had eight pressures the other night uh, against Carolina per PFF. Um, so there, there is some resistance there, but I just don't see the Bears being able to slow down Detroit's offense. And so then it's it's a question about fields. And I'm going to take this all the way back, and I'm you can call it situational summa or narrative. You know, I, I'm going to create it. Like when we saw like Russell Wilson come back from a thumb injury, it was an absolute failure for like a month, right? And this was a he missed three games the same way that Fields missed three games. Like I, I think thumb injuries like 
there that's an inject injection of variance that I'm not sure I really like I'm I don't know how Fields is gonna play. And like accuracy was never one of his like cornerstone things anyway. And so it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to back him. Expectation Eric, maybe. I don't I don't really know yeah, what else maybe, starts yeah. with an E that uh, there's there's really nothing. We might have to chip and your last name is a starts with the same letter as well. Like there's just nothing we can really do here. Um, a couple of people in the chat. Uh Wong's owner says ah the hef. Uh lines is a teaser leg, says Jordan. I'll go to you, Suma. What do you make of the Lions in a, a teaser leg spot this week, potentially? Yeah, I, I like them in a teaser leg, especially with the thumb variants that Eric has mentioned. Um, I also want to piggyback a little bit on, on what Titman has said. Um, I'm liking the over a little bit in this game. And yes, there is the potential chance that uh, Justin Fields' thumb is not 100%, but I think to make this a solid overplay, they the Bears need to get us to like 20 points or something, I would say. So there's still some room for like two interceptions where his accuracy might not uh, be close to his personal 100%. Um, when the, the Bears made that offensive uh, shift starting in the Broncos game, since then... Uh, uh, Justin Fields uh, has been averaging, it's a small sample size, but just over one EPA per play on, on deep throws. And on the season, he ranks 11th on deep throws. And the Detroit defense, which Hitman has mentioned, I think is completely overrated. And against any quarterback with a pulse, whether it's been in recent weeks like Geno, Lamar Jackson, Herbert, they have been shredded on, on deep throws. And against Tampa Bay, for example, Yes, they held Tampa Bay to three points, but uh, in hindsight, that like there were so many film guy, tape guy accounts showing uh, receivers running wide open down the field and Baker just either not seeing them, missing them, uh, passes getting tipped at the line of scrimmage or something. So I think that there is an opportunity for the Bears to score points here. But on the other side, I think the same case can be made for the Lions because I don't trust this Bears defense at all. Yes, they have been very solid against the run, uh, but I, I don't trust them against the pass. Um, they have a very bottomish in the league pressure rate. So I think Jared Goff, who ranks top three in passing rate from a clean pocket, should have success here against this defense. And you mentioned the, the, the schedule recently of the Bears. Like, I mean, uh, Las Vegas, um, Chargers, they got shredded for the most part, couldn't tackle at all. Uh, New Orleans, Carolina, that's that's not a tough slate of opposing offenses. And I think the Lions at home, where they score like 30 points per game or something over the last two seasons, should have enough success on offense. I don't have a strong opinion on this game, but I know Hitman had, had played Chicago earlier and still leans that way. And one thing that I was, when breaking down this game, that I looked at and was kind of weird that stood out to me as maybe a potential opportunity for success for the Bears is that the Bears play cover two at the second highest rate in the entire league. Now, granted, it's not like a high rate. It's only be like a quarter of their plays overall. They mix up their defensive coverages. But Jared Goff's numbers against cover two this year are abysmal. He has a negative 0.53 EPA per play against that defense, 30th in the league. His success rate, 19th in the league, so a little bit better. He's been hurt by turnovers in those situations. But maybe just something to watch out for here, there have been times where Goff has played other cover two defenses this year or teams that have mixed in a lot of cover two, and he's been confused. So we'll see how that goes for them going forwards. 
I know someone mentioned like the look ahead Thanksgiving spot as well for Detroit. That's being talked about a long a lot this week. Does anyone here put any stock into that, by the way, just out of curiosity, like teams having to play on a short week the next week, maybe their preparation doesn't go into playing an inferior opponent. Like, is that a thing Hitman, at all that you would value? Not really. I mean, maybe if it was like, I mean, I guess, I guess they're playing Green Bay, but maybe if it was like some huge game, you know, but it's, and, and maybe it plays a factor if like you have an injury also, like you're going to hold the guy out maybe and say, all right, we got a short week upcoming. Let's try to get him ready for this Thursday game, but it's not much of a factor. All right. I like this comment from Patrick. To be fair, Goff always looks a bit confused. Goff against even coverages over the years. It's just like ever since Matt Patricia showed Bill Belichick the blueprint for that Super Bowl in some random like week 15 game, it's been it's been crazy. Yeah. Suma, you wanted what? to jump back in here? Yes. I, I also saw these um, coverage rate, rates for Chicago. And when I went through the game logs, uh, I think I'm assuming that the Bears played more cover two when basically their whole secondary was down, like Jalen Johnson was out, Ed Jackson was out. Because since that uh, Minnesota game, they have reduced their cover two rate to like uh, basically single digit uh, percentages in, in like three games. And they, they they were playing a lot more single high defenses, which Goff has been shedding over the years. So maybe that was the, the injuries more so than Bears really willing to play a lot of cover two. Good point. Not only does Suma bring up the situational aspects, but he also digs a little bit deeper into everything else. We we crowned him situational Suma, but he's not just a one-trick pony. Let's put it that way. Uh, for those of you out here do, who do enjoy the breakdowns every single week, just make sure you smash that like button down below. It goes a long way to helping people find our content. If you're new here, you've never seen this before, please subscribe here to Forward Progress. We've got content every single weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Next week is Thanksgiving. We'll have some more content coming your way for those games that are happening throughout the week. So make sure you smash that like and that subscribe button. I'm not sure we can give out best bets at the current amount of likes, people. We need some more likes down below. Game number three on deck here. The Los Angeles Rams back in week one, I would say, stunned the Seattle Seahawks. And I went on week two and I was like, I don't even know that the Seahawks are going to be any good this year. It was that bad of a performance from Seattle in week one that I was questioning my offseason rating of them and everything like that. Seattle eventually rebounded from that loss. They've looked good since then or arguably not good, but they've amassed a six and three record last week. They beat the Washington commanders at home that early start for the Rams where everyone's like, oh, maybe this team is going to be a better than they are eroded pretty quickly. Three straight losses now for the Rams. Matthew Stafford likely to return this week, dealing with a injury on his throwing hand as well. Right now, looking at the market for this game, Seahawks, very small favorites on the road, minus one. Total 46 and a half, heavily juiced to the over, leaning towards 46 and a half, even 47 in some spots. Eric, let's go over to you for this one here. You leaned opposite Seattle last week with the Washington Commanders in that game. Are you still looking to fade the Seahawks team, or do you think this is a potential good spot for them? No, I think this is a good potential spot. I, I think that this was a last week's game was was encouraging by Seattle on the offensive side of the ball, right? Where, which has been really where they've had their most difficulties in, you know, DJ, DK Metcalf look healthy for the first time in a long time. 
Tyler Lockett got involved in a way that he hasn't really been all season. Uh, they went away from Zach Charbonnet a little bit back to Kenneth Walker, and he was, you know, pretty impressive. Um, so I think, you know, famous last words, but I think Seattle is is an offense that, you know, a lot of the red zone stuff and a lot of the, you know, the the weird the weird turnover stuff was kind of noise, and you saw that a little bit last week against a, a Washington defense, which doesn't have like the star power that, that LA does, but I think is deeper, especially, especially in the back end. So I think Seattle will be able to score in this one. And when I look at LA, I just think, you know, Stafford has always been a player that's, you know, that has tried to gut out games that I don't think is necessarily that have been necessarily good uh, for him to gut out. He's averaging against, you know, against the blitz back when Stafford won the Super Bowl uh, in 2021, he like turned into Joe Montana He's averaging only like six six 6.0 yards per pass attempt against the Blitz this year, which just tells me that like they just don't have nearly as many like Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua are obviously good receivers, but I don't think that he necessarily is as trusting and as quick with uh you know the the secondary and tertiary players after them to where he's been able to take advantage of of teams you know pressuring him the way that he he did in the past. So as much as Stafford has played well relative to expectations this year, I think I think it's going to crash down to earth a little bit, especially given how the Seahawks want to play with their defensive backs pressuring the quarterback and and even guys like Boye Mafa and guys like that who have actually done a good job rushing the passer uh, in the stead of some of the the other guys that have been hurt on their D line. Suma, just like the first game we talked about today, you're also looking at the the total between the Rams and the Seahawks. What are you liking in this one? Yes, liking some overs today. I, I think that this uh, matchup uh, sets up also perfectly for a potential high-scoring matchup. Um, I mean, a very simple handicap would be looking at the Week 1 game where the Rams shredded that uh, Seahawks defense. Uh, I mean, there's always the possibility that Matthew Stafford, uh, Stafford's thumb might not be 100%. I think we would like to see like uh, full practices uh, throughout the week for him to maybe give the impression that he has full full grip strength but let's say or let's pretend that he will have that grip strength strength i think that rams offense has shown over the years that they for whatever reason have seattle's number um on their on their defensive side um and both quarterbacks are much much better against zone defense versus man coverage this season and the Rams and the Seahawks both play a very high amount of uh, zone defense. And I think that bodes very well when it comes to the passing matchup. And I also think that, for example, Seattle's defense is probably overrated when it comes to defending the run. McVay, uh, Michael Fleur coming out of the bye week uh, might have made a few adjustments here and there. Um, I just think it's a very good matchup for the passing game. I mean, in week one, Seattle moved the ball up and down the field at will, um, had some issues in the red zone. And then at some point they lost both starting tackles and they couldn't do anything for, um, for the re remainder of the game. And, and that game still landed like 43 because the Rams were able to score. So I think we are going to see a similar game to week one where both offenses uh, might have a, a high success rate and move the ball down the field. And um, yeah, um, the, the only... Um, reason to maybe be a, bit, a little bit pessimistic is the status of uh, Matthew Stafford's thumb. He's expected to play, but I really think that you want to see like three full practices to to be highly confident enough to either bet the Rams or maybe bet the over. 
Might have to change uh, situational Suma to square Suma now with all these overs that you're liking in these games, Suma. Seems to yes. be uh, seems to be a Great trend for you this week. week. The uh, the chat is pretty split on this game. Uh, cases being made for, for both sides. Hitman, I know you're not strong on this game one way or another, but if you had to consider one of the sides, who would it be? We won't count this towards the leans, but I don't want to mess up the leans record. Listen, I'm treasuring that record, so I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize it. It's all I got in life right now. But um, with that said, yeah, not, not much of an opinion. I, I will add that um, Seattle just – I know, Rob, you're big on along with your numbers. You like to look at matchups and some previous series history and see if it's relevant towards the next game. And Seattle has really underachieved against the Rams and Sean McVay. Just in general, even last year, they played two coin flip games where Seattle was big favorites in both games against John Wolford and Baker Mayfield. And then you look at what happened in week one in the second half. Yes, I know the two tackles were out for Seattle, but that still isn't a viable excuse for having one first down and 12 total yards in the second half. So there has been something about this matchup. That's been a positive for the Rams. I think a little situational hitman. I think that it's a good spot for the Rams where they're off the bye and they're practically playing for their season in the, in this game. Like this is a really big game for them because there's all this talk about like, oh, maybe they shut guys down if they end up being out of contention later in the year. So it's pretty much the, the Rams season in this game. And then, but I also agree with, Eric at the at the same time about the Stafford thumb injury. So for me, I don't know. Just look to tease whoever's the the one one and a half point dog in this game is probably the way that I'm going to end up looking to play it. I'm pretty torn on this one because uh, I strongly agree with Suma here, but then we are reliant on Stafford's throwing hand to be okay. And that's a challenge because this one checks all the boxes for an over for me from just like a stylistic matchup type of game, right? Seattle, this heavy zone team, Stafford's been very good against zone. But on top of that, Seattle plays a lot of cover three, almost 50% of their snaps are cover three. Stafford, third best EPA in the league against cover three, fifth best success rate, by far his best splits of any D. And we've already seen him carve up this D playing that exact same style. And then you get Geno Smith against the zone defense rather than a man coverage team, which he's really struggled with over the course of this season. So to me, there's a lot of reasons to love the over in this game, aside from the health of one of the starting quarterbacks who could just like completely derail it. So I likely will end up on the over in this game, but scale back the unit size just because of the amount of uncertainty in this one. Let's move it along, guys. Game number four here as we continue through Five games this week. Last time the Jets and Bills played, I was on air doing a live watch along. Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. Looks like the entire season is lost. The game is lost at the very least. What a game. The Jets come back in that game against the Bills. And honestly, since then, things have not looked great for either of these teams. The Jets offense is just like completely cold. They haven't scored an offensive touchdown in back-to-back games against the Chargers, against the Raiders. Aaron Rodgers seems closer to a return, but who knows if that's ever going to happen. Meanwhile, in Buffalo, the wheels are falling off for that team. Uh, you know, mistake after mistake against the Denver Broncos on Monday night football. It's just like a comedy of errors for that team 
They've now fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. And one of the teams that we thought was a Super Bowl contender heading into the playoffs is now a favorite into the season, excuse me, now favorite to miss the playoffs. Hitman, I'll start with you on this game. We look at the market at Pinnacle right now. The spread, seven and a half plus 106 for Buffalo. It's really a, a, a seven. The total in the game, 40 and a half juiced under. And I believe you had somewhat of an opinion on the total here. Yeah, I'm leaning toward the, towards the under in this. So Buffalo, I mean, the turn. just thinking logically about like Buffalo's point of view going into this game, turnovers have absolutely killed you this entire season. The last time you played against the Jets on that Monday night game, Jets offense didn't do anything special. It was just Josh Allen with the turnovers. It single-handedly handed the Jets the game. Logic would just say that when you're playing a Jets offense that has not, I'm sorry, Suma, but they have not scored a touchdown in 11 quarters. Logic says that you're going to be try to be conservative and just not hand the game to the Jets like you did last time. So there, there's that going for, for on Buffalo on offense. And then there's also the fact that Josh Allen, there's no defense that has, before, uh, that has held Josh Allen down more than this Jets defense has. In the past three games since the start of last season against this defense, Josh Allen is throwing for only 5.8 yards per attempt. He has two passing touchdowns and five interceptions. So I think it's a good matchup where this Jets defense can hold down or at least contain this Buffalo offense, which is really dependent on one player right now with Stephon Diggs, and it's a bunch of role players around him. So I think that they could do a good job containing the Jets offense or the, the Buffalo offense. And then when we look at the Jets offense, I mean, we know that they can't pass. It's really been their run game struggles that have absolutely killed them recently. So over the past five games, Buffalo's run defense has actually been really good. They're allowing 3.4 yards per carry to opposing running backs and their second in success rate against opposing running backs. And for the entire season, I know he has one or a few explosive plays per season that apps are absolutely amazing, but Brees Hall has the second lowest success rate in the NFL. The only running back that has a worse success rate is Rashad White and against the Raiders run defense, which has allowed big games to literally every single opposing running back that they faced. Brees Hall went 13 carries for 28 yards. So I just don't see many paths for success for the Jets offense. And then logic just says that Buffalo maybe a little bit more conservative of a game plan, especially also with the Josh Allen shoulder issues. They ran the ball actually quite well against Denver. So that's all I got in that one. Eric, you were on air with me on Monday night. As was Hitman for the fourth quarter as well, just watching this Bills collapse. And now we have Ken Dorsey fired this week. I already saw some comments in the chat. I don't actually know if they were sarcastic or not, but like offensive coordinator fired, the Bills are going to get it going all of a sudden type of game, rally around the, the coaching staff and whatever. What are your thoughts on, on Buffalo moving forward now here without Dorsey? Do you expect changes in this short of a span or do you expect more of the same Bills offense that we've seen? I mean, I, I think the numbers would suggest that you're going to see an offense that is going to put up some points. The problem is, they, you know, through the first 10 weeks of the season, they have a top five easiest schedule in the NFL of, of opponents. Down the stretch here, you have a top five. You, know, you have the most difficult schedule, uh, the, the you know, more difficult, if you will, 
um, schedule down the stretch. And so I think that things may improve fundamentally for the Bills, but I don't know if you're actually going to see the output, right? Like, you know, if they're playing like an ambient team this week, yes, but they're playing the Jets who, who as everybody has here has said, they struggle with and match up poorly again. So I do think event you will see things, you know, improve, but I don't necessarily know if you're going to see it with respect to against the spread or just in general in straight up victories, just because the, the slate is so much harder. And I, and I think that that can, that's probably going to keep me away from Buffalo down the stretch here, even though it was a team that I liked and frankly thought that was a Super Bowl contender. I think if you want to bet Buffalo, the only way to down the stretch in the season is to bet Josh Allen to win MVP. He's got all the statistical markers to win MVP. And if he does so against this difficult schedule, the narrative, the narrative train will run pretty wild. And there's really nobody else who's run away with the award right now. So that's to me, the one way to buy into Buffalo. I actually don't think, the the team overall is actually that compelling down the stretch. Suma, what are your what's your take on Buffalo moving forward? And I mean, you're a Jets fan. You watch all the Jets games, maybe not live sometimes with the time difference in Germany, but at least after the fact. What do you make of their matchup with the Bills this week? Rough run for the offense, and pro probably a better one for the defense. I think that Hitman keyed in on all the relevant matchups here. Um, the Bills defense. Yes, like it's been said, they are solid against the one, have been better in, in recent weeks. Their Achilles heel is their pass defense, especially their, their deep pass. So on the season, they are allowing the uh, second most EPA per play on deep passes and the highest success rate. And they are playing against the Jets offense that is not built like this. So Zach Wilson will not sit back there, uh, be confident in, in the pocket, uh, move around, and then try to hit re receivers down the field and basically dot them to death. So that's not going to happen. The Jets will likely run the ball, try to lean on their defense, and then try the occasional spot uh, shot, uh, shot play. And I, I don't think that the Jets' offense has the um, quality to really expose that uh, weakness of the Buffalo Bills' defense. And on the other side, I mean, yes, Ken Dorsey was a scapegoat. Um, I'm not expecting any dip or major uptick in, in offensive efficiency. They might be more lucky when it comes to re recovering fumbles and uh, maybe Josh Allen won't throw a tipped interception uh, deep down the field this week. So I would mostly expect the same results on offense. And they have a very decent uh, matchup on defense against the um, Zach Wilson led Jets. So um if this number ticks below a seven i i might be a little bit interested in the in the uh, bills here but i also when it comes to the total i probably could not go over here i have bet against buffalo a lot recently this isn't a pat on on the back it's it's a provide context type of situation i've been regularly finding value against the bills we've been talking about it pretty regularly here on forward progress uh, even in some of the watch alongs that we've done this is the first time in a long time where my numbers actually show some value on the bills. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet, but I just have such a hard time seeing the Jets scoring on anyone right now. Like this team just cannot move the ball. If they couldn't like successfully move the ball consistently against the Raiders, I know the Bills defense has struggles and injuries as well, but I just don't know what the Jets are going to do 
to, to reach their ceiling at any point on offense, which is what, like maybe 20 points. Like that's, that's how bad it's gotten at this point. So it's a bills or nothing game for me here. Probably going to end up being nothing in some capacity, but for the first time in a while, I actually um, have flipped and, and I'm showing value in the Buffalo bills guys. Let's end off with the marquee matchup of the week here. Monday night football. It's the Super Bowl rematch. Probably the most highly anticipated game of the entire season. The 7-2 and two Chiefs taking on the 8-1 and one Eagles. Both teams coming off of a bye week. Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys prior to the bye. The Chiefs were in Germany. They beat the Miami Dolphins. Both those games very close. You could argue maybe the wrong side won in both of those games. But regardless, they did it. All eyes on the Kelsey brothers in this game as well. Taylor Swift. It has it all. It, it's going to have it all. Suma, market right now. Chiefs minus two and a half, minus 114. Total 45 and a half. What are you doing here with the Super Bowl rematch? I think when you get Patrick Mahomes under a field goal, you can never really go wrong, especially um, at home coming off the bye with maybe Taylor Swift in the standing. So that would be probably a full point bump for me in terms of power rating. <laughs> so, I mean, the Eagles defense, I, I I just don't trust them to go to Arrowhead and compete with the, with the Chiefs offense. I think that after cleaning up some stuff during the bye week, I think that the Chiefs offense will be ready to roll and dink and dunk that Eagles defense to death. The Eagles are allowing, I think, the, the highest DBA value to opposing tight ends, which votes which votes well for a Travis Kelsey matchup. And the, the the Eagles are very vulnerable over the middle of the field. Their secondary is not great. And the strength, which is their D-line, especially with Jalen Carter playing at a all-pro clip, pretty much matches the, the strength of the um, KC O-line, which is arguably the best O-line in the league when it comes to the interior block. So I think that the Chiefs offense has a pretty good matchup. Basically, uh, we'll come up and we'll come on and show us what they did in the second half in the, in the Super Bowl. And then on the other side, the Eagles, yes, I'm really high on the Eagles, but I think they have been kind of inconsistent a little bit on offense this year. Jalen Hurts still a little bit banked up when it comes to his knee. And they are going to face a much better Chiefs defense than what they faced in the Super Bowl. And I think um, if the Chiefs offense is able to score, they might also get the Eagles into a game script where they are not highly comfortable with where they cannot lean on their one game, where Jalen Hurts will be more in these obvious uh, passing downs. Don't get me wrong, Jalen Hurts is one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and it's not like I, I don't expect him to um, be exposed in these kind of situations, but he's going to face a stout Steve Spagnuolo defense that really lives for these downs where they can lean back, send blitzes, send pressure, and... Um, get to the quarterback and I just think um, the Chiefs are made for this matchup and anything under three looks like a good number to me Patrick in the chat says I'm surprised this came back off of three there was some early Chiefs money this week got to three Eagles will get some buyback Hitman did that surprise you at all that that the Eagles got some buyback here no and I think that it's going to bounce around the entire week. It wouldn't stun me if it goes back to three. Um, I know there's some sharp people that are still interested in Kansas City 
at that number. And then I note there, I'm sure that there's sharp people that are interested in Philly at three too. So I think it's just a well, game that well, hey man, you're, you're a sharp person. You're a sharp person who you interested in. Some, some like to think that, but some <laughs> not on this show, but in some other aspects. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like Kansas city also. I agree with a lot of what Suma had to say, I think that Dallas Goddard is going to be an underrated loss for this Eagles team that really has a condensed target share. Like they're not really deep as far as their offensive pass catchers, but it's just so condensed between those big three. So now you take away Dallas Goddard. I think that's a little bit of an underrated loss. Is Jalen Hurts 100% mobile yet? We don't know. Obviously, the extra rest helps, but we're still not positive about that. The Chiefs defense. I mean, they held down the Lions, they held down the Dolphins, they held down the Chargers, they ranked fifth in EPA per play, fourth in success rate this year. So they've really had been underrated this season compared to what some general public might think about their defense. And then I, I like how Suma said that the Eagles are very vulnerable in the middle of the field. Um, the Chiefs, I know they've lacked the vertical passing game this year, but their quick game, I think, really could have an advantage against Philly. And if you look at Philly at passes that are five or less air yards, Philly's 23rd in EPA per play, and they're 31st in explosive play rate allowed on those passes. So they have been vulnerable in, with the linebackers underneath and all that. And that's definitely an area that the Chiefs have been known to take advantage of with Jerick McKinnon, Travis Kelsey. Their defense just overall has not played well, especially when they've uh, – went up in competition and especially when their defensive line has not been able to dominate games. They've been really vulnerable. So like Suma said, the chiefs offensive line really can counter this pass rush and give them time to attack this secondary. So yeah, I'm thinking that under a field goal, the, the chiefs is the side I'm looking at also. Eric, I, I was looking at the, the Arlene sheet that we share prior to the show where we kind of put you know, post our leans on games and uh, I nearly fell out of my chair when I got to this game. I saw Hitman KC, Suma KC, Eric Eager, just a blank box. Just if a I blank could, box. I would, but I, 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 I just don't make it three. I don't make it. I, I make the game like two point five, so I'm like right there. I my issue is a lot of the stuff that we've said about Kansas City, like hasn't necessarily been as true this year. You look at Creed Humphrey, you look at Trey Smith, they have both graded poorly relative to the previous couple of seasons for pro football focus. So interior, you know, that interior matchup, which I think they're generally speaking going to be better at, um, and, and maybe they will be off of a buy, but they haven't gotten the same push that they've gotten uh, the last few years. Uh, I still think like the Eagles are vulnerable at corner and, and in the middle of the field, but, so far, the Chiefs wide receivers haven't really shown an ability to take advantage of those things. And so it really is just going to be Travis Kelsey and TBD. Uh, and then and then defensively, the Chiefs are phenomenal as in the back seven, especially depth-wise at corner, at linebacker. But if you look at, you know, if you look at them from a perspective of like, for example, EPA, um, you know, per run play, uh, you go to sumersports.com. Uh, backslash team, backslash defensive, they're second worst in terms of EPA allowed in the run game. And, you know, that's partially by design. That's partially because they they play light and they and they rush the passer and they do a good job coverage-wise. But 
that is that that is something that they will struggle with if the Eagles stick with it. So I just think matchup wise, I sort of you know it just doesn't. I, I get that Mahomes under a field goal is like often an auto bet, but in this particular game, I do respect the Eagles quite a bit in the way in which like Kansas City has fallen off a little bit in some spots plays into what Philadelphia is capable of. Interesting. Good breakdown of the game. I'm kind of with Nathan here, though. Imagine not betting Mahomes at home under a field goal and Andy Reid off a of bye week. Sometimes it's just that easy, people. Uh, I'm just yeah, messing Nick around. Sirianni will go for the right fourth downs, and Andy will not. That is another part as well. If you're looking for where did that last point that you need go, it was Andy Reid becoming Drew Reid and not, and not actually doing the right thing. <laughs> Hard to go for fourth downs when you're not going to get to fourth down with the Chiefs, Chiefs offense. Travis Kelsey, 169 yards over the middle of the field in this game against the Eagles team that can't defend tight ends. But uh, no, in all honesty, I make the game three. That's just my number on it. It has nothing to do with Andy Reid off the bye or Mahomes under a field goal. I just think that the, the fair price in the game should be three. Uh, I line up with Hitman and Suma right here on uh, on their handicap. I can't really add much more to it. Now, we are going to get into best bets. Before we do, everyone just take one second, smash that like button down below. Let's get the likes as high as we possibly can before we get into best bets here. And I do want to remind everyone that we do live watch alongs for every single one of the Island games here on Forward Progress. Every Thursday night football, every Monday night football. A lot of you are in the chat here right now, have been in the chat for those over the course of the season. I appreciate that very much. A lot of you who are in the chat here now, do not come to those over the course of the season. This week, we actually got some banger games. We got Bengals-Ravens Thursday night football. We got Chiefs and Eagles Super Bowl rematch Monday night football. So join me on these island games right here on Forward Progress. Make sure you're subbed to the channel. Make sure you set notifications. All three of these other guys on screen, Eric, Hitman, Suma, also appear as do Jeff Feinberg, G-Stack, George, sometimes some guests outside of the Hammer Betting Network as well. It's a great time. I promise you, you won't regret it. So just check out some of the live watch-alongs that we do here on Forward Progress. Let's get into the best bets. As is ritual here, winners get to go first. Suma, maybe an undeserving cash on the Steelers, minus three last week. But you know what? No one remembers if it was deserving or undeserving. They just remember if the account balance went up or it went down. And the account balance went up for you last week. So we got to keep it going this week. You're going to Lambeau Field. It's the Chargers. It's the Packers. Who do you like in the game and why? Yes, I'm going back to fading the Packers again. Um, I like this matchup for the Chargers. Um, the Packers looked much better on offense last week against a Steelers defense that for whatever reason um, played some coverages or on late downs that really played into the strength of John Love. But even with a one game going and with, with John Love having much more success in the passing game, it was same the uh, it was again the the same old Packers offense that Really struggle to uh, get to 20 points with some um, with some costly uh, John Love interceptions, and I just cannot trust this offense to even put a beat down on the Brandon Staley defense. Yes, uh, Staley's defense has been very underwhelming again, but they got shelled by a lot of good quarterbacks and good passing games this season. 
looked much better against um, bad quarterbacks. Uh, John Love is probably one step above the guys like Aiden O'Connell um, and Tyson Bajan and Zach Wilson, but uh, not sure by how much exactly. And on the other side, the Green Bay defense is really, really bad, and they have played the third easiest schedule of opposing offenses per my numbers. They can't stop the one. Um, they really played only two quarterbacks with a pulse this season. It was uh, Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions offense got shredded, and then they got shredded by Kirk Cousins, who tore his Achilles, I think, late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter, um, where I think the Vikings already had 24 points. And th this this Packers defense uh, held a lot of bad quarterbacks to like uh, sub-20 points, but I just don't see how they are able to contain the Chargers offense. It's a hashtag situation in Zuma. Great bounce back game for the uh, Chargers offense on the road here, uh, even on the road. I think that they are going to look very well offensively against this um, Packers offense. And I just don't see how John Love is able to outduel Justin Herbert in this matchup. Situational Zuma is back. Justin Herbert laying the three against Jordan Love. That's Suma's best bet for the week. Eric, we will move to you next here. You are targeting a primetime matchup. Always fun to have money on primetime. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Broncos um, kind of almost at the weirdly at the top of their market, but you're also fading the Vikings at seemingly the top of their markets. Uh, look, the Vikings have been a phenomenal story. I think Kevin O'Connell has been very good at a lot of things, especially, you know, in-game decision-making with, you know, field goals and going for uh, going for touchdowns instead of those and, and, and you know, penalties. They're second in the NFL in terms of uh, penalty differential with respect to EPA. Um, all that being said, though, still a question about Justin Jefferson this week. Probably not going to go. Um, you know, the, the Denver defense has been pretty damn good since the since the horrible uh, situation against the Dolphins. And Russell Wilson quietly has had a pretty good season, uh, you know, top five in a lot of metrics as far as quarterback play is concerned. Uh, you've seen some stuff out of Javante Williams as well. And even though the Vikings have been better against the run relative to early in the season, they are going to be without Jordan Hicks, a middle linebacker who has mattered, has mattered to them. Ivan Pace, the guy that plays behind him, is like 5'10", and an undrafted player out of Cincinnati. They had to bring Anthony Barr uh, back from uh, back from the couch to come play linebacker. And I think Denver, if you combine the vertical passing game with, with the power running game, uh, I think that they'll, they match up well with the Vikings defense. And so you add that to regression out of Josh Dobbs. Um, and, you know, I, I like this thing out to three. All right. Eric's going with that. Hitman, we already talked about this game earlier, but uh, make the case one more time for those who missed it. Chiefs and Eagles Monday Night Football. I like Kansas City, minus two and a half. Um, I think that I said earlier, the Dallas Goddard, it's an underrated loss. Jalen Hurts, maybe not at 100%. Mobility is, is an important factor. The Chiefs defense, fifth in EPA per play, fourth in success rate allowed. So I do think it sets up at least for a game that doesn't end up like last year's Super Bowl, where Jalen Hurts just goes absolutely wild on this defense. But my bigger concern with Philly is their defense, especially their pass defense. They, they've allowed big games to Kirk Cousins, to Dak, to Sam Howell twice. They really rely on dominating up front, but Kansas City has widely regarded a top five offensive line that can counter that. 
The Eagles defense overall is 21st in EPA per play. For all the talk that we've had about the Kansas City offense, about their struggles, it's still a unit that's 7th in EPA per play, quarterback by the best player in the game and has the best play caller in the game. The, the Eagles tend to struggle against air, uh, short passing, which is a strength of this Kansas City offense. Basically, you know, the difference between three and two and a half is the difference between a 50% bet and a 55-ish percent bet. And I have Kansas City as a half as a point better on a neutral. They're the rare team that their home field advantage can still be worth up to two, two and a half. And I'll spare everybody the Andy Reid off a bye and uh, the Chiefs under Mahomes under a field goal stuff. But I make this game three. So value on Kansas City. So this week could be very different because you made the Chiefs a lean before you made them a best bet. We don't know how that's going to play out, but maybe with the lean record, it might offset the best bet. And we did have a poll going on over the course of the show, and uh, 52% of the people, Hitman, think you're going to win your best bet this week. So, so I just people are... Yeah, I just need a few more decimal points to be to be able to beat the VIG, as Suma said in our private chat. Yeah, not quite fifty two point four percent, but fifty two percent. Hey, if you're betting low VIG at Pinnacle, you already beat the VIG, by the way, right there with the fifty two percent. So there you go. Um, I've had to pivot hard over the course of this show. I put in my caption: "My best bet today will make you ill." It was going to make you ill. It got steamed about fifteen cents during the show. I don't want to give out stale prices. I'm pivoting to my next available biggest edge right now. And I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. DTR starting in this game. Browns money line minus 112. Good to minus 123. I've been looking for the opportunity to fade the Steelers. I think this is finally the spot. Listen, we could talk about the Tomlin voodoo, all that. All we want to do at the end of the day, this team just isn't very good. You do not get outgained for nine consecutive games by accident. Their yards per play metrics stink. Their success rate metrics stink. Their EPA metrics stink. They are winning with turnovers, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And to me, that's just not consistently repeatable. DTR looked horrible in his first start. That was the Baltimore Ravens defense, much better than this Steelers defense, who, by the way, couple weeks ago, Will Levis looked very solid against them on Thursday night football. All of a sudden, Will Levis plays the Bucs and he can't do anything. Last week, Jordan Love looks as competent as he's looked in months against the Steelers' defense, missing Minka Fitzpatrick. I think the defense is overrated. DTR, full week to prep. He's not getting thrust in against the Ravens on short notice here. And I love this Browns' defense against this Steelers' offense. We saw it earlier in the year. They wreaked havoc on the Steelers. They lost that game in like one of the weirdest fashions ever where the Steelers did not gain positive yards in the fourth quarter, negative yardage in the fourth quarter still came from behind to win. I like the Cleveland Browns in this game, minus 112. Get it done for me, DTR. Get it done. Pull now up to 53% hit, man. So I think the people are piling on because they like KC on top of it as well. But the people are behind you this week. The people are behind you this week. Nathan is behind us in the chat. He thinks we're going 4-0. We can only hope. We can only hope, guys. We need to bounce back, and we're running out of season. We're running out of season. A reminder to everyone, if you haven't subbed to Forward Progress, please do so very quickly. Smash that like button down below. This crew, back with you again, as we are every single Wednesday. But, of course, sub to the channel for more content from the entire Forward Progress crew. For myself, for Eric Eager, 
for Hitman, for Suma, for our producer, Jason Cooper, who does a great job behind the scenes over the course of this show. This has been Forward Progress Best Bets for Week 11, part of the Hammer Betting Network, powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. Everyone, good luck with your bets this week. Peace out. 